Hello everyone, welcome to Men on Fire. My name is Mike Wren, a former mechanic and engineer turned transformational teacher. And each week I'll deliver an inspiring message to help you excavate those repressed inner negative feelings and install new thoughts that will finally allow you to truly become the person you were born to be. Hey, one more thing before we get going. Are you feeling stressed, anxious, or frustrated these days? If you are, and you'd like a little help, go to calendly.com forward slash soul mechanic booking and book a 15 minute clarity call with me absolutely free. That's calendly, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y.com forward slash soul mechanic hyphen booking. Also, if you're looking for an accomplished public speaker to speak in person or virtually at your next event or meeting, I can help you out there too. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to another episode of Men on Fire here on Soul Mechanic Radio. Well, guys, what the heck is going on with the police these days. I can't believe everything that's come to light in in Canada and the United States specifically because I live in North America, but around the world as well. And, you know, have, have they all gone mad? Uh, have they all turned bad? Is, is there a need for reform? Should they all be defunded and disbanded to start all over again? Well, today we're going to take a look at all that and see if we can't come up with a solution. So, where do we start then? Well, let's look at what the basic functions of a police force is or supposed to be. Police officers have four major responsibilities. Number one, enforcing the laws that have been put into force through a democratic system for and by the people. Number two, preventing crimes. Number three, responding to emergencies. And number four, providing support services. Now, after looking at that list, I believe that the vast majority of police officers and police forces are doing their jobs correctly. So why are we seeing so much abuse of their powers and use of excessive force lately? Let's take a little deeper dive and look at why this may be so. The first reason might simply be that they are garnering more attention these days and never before have we had so many cameras in the hands of so many people that can share that information with the world in just seconds. And while I believe this first reason has some merit and is true to an extent, I think there's still more. The second reason we're seeing abuse of power and excessive use of force these days by the police is a militarization of the police. Why do police suddenly feel the need to wear bulletproof vests and carry the same sidearms and assault rifles as the military? 
Where in the enforcing laws, preventing crimes, responding to emergencies, and providing support services does that kind of hardware fit in? Is there a need for special teams and uh, weapons and task forces? I think so, as a backup plan or as a deterrent. But to arm a regular police officer to the teeth and adorn them with flak jackets only tends to help them feel invincible. They no longer have to practice valuable relationship building as many of the beat cops and street cops used to do walking up and down the street. They knew everybody. They knew the businesses. They knew what was going on. They were friendly with enough people. They knew the troublemakers. They knew the people that were following all the laws. But now they just bully their way through. And if you don't like it, you're going to get hurt. Because I'm wearing body armor and I have a semi-automatic weapon strapped to my hip. I'm not trying to pigeonhole police officers here and say they're all the same and paint them with the same brush because they're not. But what you wear affects how you think, which affects how you feel, which affects how you act, which obviously affects the results you achieve. It's that simple, folks. We all have experienced that, right? We feel and act differently when we dress up to go somewhere or perhaps dress down. We feel either feel more relaxed or we feel more excited and more formal. So we act a certain way when we go to those formal events, more so than we're in shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops. So you understand that principle. So the third reason I think that we're seeing abuse of power and excessive force by the police forces around the world is that they are scared. They are scared, my friends. These are human beings just like you and I, and they fear for their lives every day they go to work. Imagine if every day you went to the office, the factory, or whatever your place of employment is, that you feared you may get shot, stabbed, or beat to a pulp. How much law enforcing, crime preventing response to emergencies and providing of support could you then provide? These people have to make split-second decisions on whether you are friend or foe and how to handle that situation in a heartbeat. Do you think that may be stressful? Do you think you might snap and make a mistake or two along the way? When I was in the Navy, I was part of my ship's naval landing and boarding party. And as such, we were trained to board any ship or vessel or boat that we needed to do to take over the ship. And we couldn't use rifles because they're a long, uh, a very long firearm. So you can't swing them in the tight corridors of a, of a ship. So we were highly trained in the use of the nine millimeter semi-automatic pistol and the submachine gun. And we were trained to take over a ship, take control of it, kill if need be, and hopefully make it through to the end. But that's the military. That's not just a police force. But what we were also trained in was crowd control. And we were trained to use, just like you see on TV with the, the shields, the helmets, the batons, 
all that sort of thing, forming wedges, advancing towards the crowd. And we all took turns, had to take turns being protesters. So we were protesting, throwing stuff at, the, at everybody and yelling at them, screaming at them. And I'm telling you, when, when, we were, when I was part of the group advancing towards these protesters, like it was scary. And, and I can't imagine doing it in real life with hundreds and thousands of protesters. <laughs> it would scare the crap out of you. And on the other end, when I was a protester, had to pretend I was a protester, it too was scary. I mean, we're banging on our shields. We're advancing forward in the same step with a one, one foot at a time, slamming to the ground, making huge sounds and booyahs as you go along. Like, that's scary. When you're a protester, man, you're scared, crapless. So I understand both of these, these things. The, the protesters are scared. The people are scared. The cops are scared. They're scared, too. They're scared for themselves, for their families. You know, what's going through their mind when they're, when they're out there doing this and thinking of their young sons or daughters or their wife? Are they going to come home tonight? Is somebody going to take them out with a broken bottle somehow? Like, who knows? So these people live in fear too, just as the protesters. And yes, I know the cops are just doing their job. And that's something we'll touch on uh, very shortly. But I also, before I joined the Navy, actually, I, I wanted to be a police officer. And I went to a couple of different police forces. The RCMP was the first. I was only 18 years old. They wouldn't take me. They said, you're too young. When I turned 21, I applied for uh, three different police forces in Ontario. And um, didn't make the grade in any, any one of them. They were picky back then, actually. They usually wanted somebody with a university degree, which I didn't have. Just had college. And they were quite picky who they were taking. I passed most of the testing, but for some reason I always just didn't make the grade. And, and I knew I could have, but I think there was something uh, in my mind that held me back because some of the physical things that I, the running for example, that I didn't pass in, in the police tests, I passed hands down with no problem when I went into the military testing, but I think I just wasn't meant to be in, in the police force, and which I'm very happy I didn't get in. But the, I mention that because, you know, I knew police officers in my hometown when I was younger. And, you know, I was a little bit of a troublemaker here and there. Um, you know, I got caught for a couple of things. Um, I know they pulled me over. Now, this goes back in the um, early 80s. 1980s and I got pulled over a couple times for uh, drinking and driving and I know once I didn't get out of the car because I knew I'd just fall over and I'm not proud of that but that was much more the norm back then so that happened quite frequently so uh, I was always had a good rapport with the police they always treated me with kindness one gentleman drove me home one followed me home Made sure I didn't go the wrong way. You get in there, son, sleep it off. Have a good night. Like these guys, uh, and they didn't wear flak jackets. They had old-fashioned 38 revolvers on their hips. Um, you know, it was more about community. 
it was more about you know you're a good guy we want to see you grow up and to become become something not i'm slamming you to the ground putting my uh, knee on your neck and taking you in you know that that didn't exist hardly at all i mean sure maybe on the hardcore stuff but not just on you know uh, arresting somebody for passing a fake $20 bill, which could or could not have been his doing. So we've looked at the basic functions of the police and some of the reasons we are seeing abuse of authority and excessive use of force. So now let's look at a few solutions, perhaps, to the problem. Now my firm belief, and some of you who've been following along know that I am spiritually oriented, and my firm belief is that what you exude or put out into the world, you get back or is returned to you. So if you exude anger, you attract angry people. If you exude fear, you attract people that are fearful, which then feel the need to act on their fear and harm you in some way in order to make themselves feel more powerful. And if you are kind, you attract kindness. If you are loving, you attract loving people into your life. I think innately, we all know this to be true. And perhaps as a society then, we need to look at ourselves, not just at governments and lawmakers, not just blaming the police for being who they are or what their jobs are or the the rules they have to follow in order to keep their jobs. We have to look at ourselves. And is what we're putting out into the world even causing some of this behavior from the police, from governments? So the world is changing quickly right now. And, you know, this, this latest pandemic and the things we're going through, this change is, sh or, or sorry, this world is shifting. It's going fast now. I mean, it has been for years now. And I've felt it for years that the world is shifting and changing and growing. And we need to go through some suffering and some pain in order to grow, which happens in all our lives, isn't it? Some of the best things we get from uh, in life are happened because of the pain we went through or the effort we had to go through or the struggles we had to go through. And we came out on the other side so much better than we were before. So this is part of what's going on. So I believe we all need to revisit ethical practices and high moral values instead of just obeying rules. What if we decided on trying a new way of being, one of quality, not just quantity, always chasing after the latest and greatest thing. If there's anything this pandemic has taught us, is that it's all right to slow down a bit. Be a part of what this whole thing is actually about. What if we decided to live our lives based on ethics rather than rules? All these rules and ways we have to do something. Did you know that some of the most immoral acts in the world have been perpetrated in the name of rules. I'm just doing my job, is the defense people use. I don't make the rules, I just follow them. But I say that if it's an immoral rule, then it's immoral to obey it. When you live your life with ethics and high moral values, 
There are rules you can never break. Like how you treat fellow humans, for example. Take Rosa Parks, a black woman in the southern states that said, Not today. Today I'm not surrendering my seat to a white person. She knew the rules. There were signs everywhere. Colored folk in the back, white up front. But she said, no, I'm sitting here. And that made all the difference. Ethics, not rules. And when your children start to disobey rules that need to be disobeyed, don't be surprised. Young people today are different than our generation. They have big ideas and big plans for themselves and the world. Why would they want to obey some of the silly rules that were put in place a hundred years before they were even born? Now, new ways of being can only come about when we embrace ethics, not rules. If your children ask you, why do we have to do that? How come these rules are so stupid? Encourage them then to change them. Don't just say, because that's the rules, that's why. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier. What you put out into the world comes back to you. And if you find things coming back to you that you don't like and don't understand, don't ask yourself why these things are coming to you. Ask yourself what you're doing to make them come back to you. And when we start putting the responsibility on ourselves, we'll start seeing dramatic results. Stop blaming the police, the government, or the guy next door because they're just like us. In fact, they are us. We're all one in this world. There is no separation. Can you see how thinking we are all separate from one another has caused so much suffering in this world? We're separate from the government. We're separate from the police. We're separate from that person with a different colored skin. No, we're not. At the end of the day, if we all stood naked in front of the mirror, what would you see? The same stuff. We're all the same folks. We come from the same place and we're all going back there too. So we need to learn to live together, to work together, to live our lives on ethics and high moral values, not silly, outdated rules. To elect true leaders interested in advancing people's lives and the human race, not just lining other people's pockets or what's in it for them. If we did these things, we wouldn't need a police force. It could be a police service, or even lumped in with community services. Now, this is just my take on things, and some of you will strongly disagree, and that is as it should be. Because as the late John Lennon said, some people call me a dreamer, but I know I'm not the only one. Won't you come and join me so we could finally live as one? Thank you for listening to today's episode, and I invite you to make any comments and let me know how you feel. Thank you so much again. Take care, and we'll see you very, very soon. Bye for now.
Hey, are you having trouble living the life of your dreams? Guess what? You're not the problem. It's not that you're not smart enough, deserving enough, or even hardworking enough. The problem is that you haven't yet installed the one key belief that will change everything. Want to know what it is? You're the one. That's right. You are the one. The world is waiting for you to give it that one special gift that only you possess. Want to find out more? Head to my website at micaren.com to order my new trilogy, You're the One. The first two books are available together in an omnibus book with the exciting final installment of the series available soon. And while you're there, download a free ebook or two to help make a difference in your life today. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As always, keep what feels good and dump what doesn't. And remember, live without judgment, give without expectation, and love for no reason. Follow those three simple expressions and you'll be well on your way to an inspirational, intentional, and successful life. Until next time, you're the one.